Let us pray. Gracious God, as we turn to your word for us, may the Spirit of God rest upon us. Help us to be intentional in our hearing, thoughtful in our speaking, steadfast in our believing, and faithful in our living. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my spirit is ever before me. My sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, uh, verses 24 through 35. Now, this scripture comes after Jesus has fed the 5,000, and he's left that place and gone across the Sea of Galilee, and the people began to follow him. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What signs are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What works are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to him, them, 
Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. So I'm wondering if you've ever kind of searched for something and then you find something else that's different than what you went searching for, but it's 100% better. It happens. It really happens all the time. You set your mind on what you're looking for and you go out looking for it and then you come across something else. I can give you a couple of examples. Have you ever heard of a naval, naval engineer named Richard Jones? Any, anybody ever hear of Richard Jones? Probably not. Well, he was certainly a guy that was looking for something and found something totally different. He was trying to build a device that would actually measure the power of an engine in a battleship. So if you think about, you know, a large battleship moving that, the engine, the force that it would take to move that, and he was trying to develop a way that they could scientifically really understand how much power was coming out of that engine. So he was b building a device to do that, and in that device he had had the machine shop make some really thinly but tightly wound springs. Well, one day, while working at his bench, he knocked one of those springs off with his elbow, and it hit the ground of the lab, and it began to kind of bounce around on the floor. And everybody kind of had a good laugh, and then they picked it up and started playing with it. And then pretty soon, people started asking him if they could take it home, because their kids would want to play with them. And, well, maybe you're ahead of me, but you know the slinky was born. <laughs> But even in medicine, these things happen. Uh, people try experiments, and sometimes they go bad. Sometimes they hit a, a dead end. Uh, there was a guy named Alexander Fleming, and he was trying to create a wonder drug that would cure all kinds of diseases. And he just kept hitting dead end after dead end after dead end. Finally, he got so fed up and frustrated with his experiments, he just wiped everything off and threw it in a big garbage can. A couple of days went by, and he happened to walk by that can, and he looked down, and he noticed that on the top there was a Petri dish sitting there that had some mold growing in it, but the mold was actually eating and destroying the bacteria that was also in that Petri dish. So he dug it out of the trash and took it back to his, uh, uh, his lab and began to work on it, and he began to study that mold and try to isolate it, and what he found was a very powerful antibiotic. Uh, we call that penicillin. But one of the most Presbyterian things that ever happened, because it happened in a Presbyterian church, was back in 1968, uh, a scientist for the 3M company, which is a multinational manufacturing company, uh, there was a scientist there named Steve Silver, and he was trying to develop a really strong kind of super adhesive, kind of like a, the forerunner of superglue, but his experiment went the opposite direction. What he created was kind of a low-tack, reusable, pressure-sensitive adhesive. 
but no matter how hard he tried to promote his uh, findings to the people at 3M, no one would listen to him. No one really saw any application. And for six years, he sat on this, continually bringing it forward, continually having it rejected. Well, one day, one of his friends in the lab, another, uh, another scientist, uh, Dr. Art Fry, uh, was talking to him about a problem that he was having. You see, Art Fry sang in the church choir, a Presbyterian church choir, and on Wednesday night, he would go to choir practice, and he would get out his hymnal, and he would take little strips of paper, and he would mark in there the hymns that they were going to sing on Sunday. But the problem was that by the time Sunday rolled around and he got up in the choir loft and moved that hymnal around a couple of times, those little slips of paper would fall out. Well, maybe they could use this low-tack adhesive that they had discovered. So they searched the lab to try to find some paper to use it on, and in the next lab over, they found this giant stack of yellow paper that nobody was using. So they took that yellow paper in and they slathered it in this low-tack adhesive and it worked like a charm. Uh, Art took it to his, um, to his choir practice and he marked all of his hymns and even the other choir members began to marvel at it and wanted some of this fancy magical paper. They also began to notice in the lab that people started tearing off sheets of it and leaving each other notes on their equipment. Well, I can tell by the chuckles you're ahead of me, that was the post-it note. It took six years for that to finally become useful and for them to figure out what to do with it. Isn't it amazing how many times in life that we go looking for one kind of solution and in the process we discover something greater, something unexpected. Our text this morning finds this type of circumstance. The people are searching desperately for an answer and finding an answer that is way beyond their hopes and dreams And really, maybe it's an answer that's beyond their imagination. As I mentioned, after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, Jesus and the disciples make their way across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. Um, After this impressive miracle, Jesus saw that it was time to move on, time to share the good news with other people. And so he went uh, to the other side of the sea. But the people who had been fed that miraculous meal wanted more. So they got in their own boats and they followed Jesus across the sea where they, and they found him. And what began was this discussion that I just read. Before the feeding of the 5,000, there's probably a good many of those people that had heard of Jesus or maybe even seen him perform a miracle. His healing the sick and healing of the physical bodies of those who were lame uh, was exciting and it built buzz kind of around who he was. But for some reason, this miraculous feeding of the 5,000 is what really got a lot of people's attention. Now, maybe those healing miracles didn't mean much to them because they weren't sick or they weren't lame. But hunger, that's something they could understand. So they chased after Jesus in hopes that he would work more miracles in their presence. Now, Jesus obviously knew what this was all about, and he knew what was motivating this crowd to continue to follow him. And he says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, they're looking for the wrong thing. They're hungering for the wrong bread. They were looking for someone who would end their physical hunger and ensure their happiness. 
giving them a long life and freedom from their Roman oppressors. And this is what some of them understood Jesus' miraculous feedings to be, that he would one day maybe become, as one writer said, their new bread king. They could not see past their immediate need to satisfy their own personal hunger. Jesus was doing great miracles, what he called signs, but the people were fixated only on the results of his miracles. The miracles were designed to point people to the person doing them, and they were supposed to prove to people that Jesus was who he said he was, God's son. That's what a sign does, right? Signs point us in a direction that we need to go. Jesus was more important than his miracles, but the people weren't looking with eyes of faith. They were looking with eyes that were fixated on their empty bellies. And even as Jesus teaches them, they want more. He says that all they must do is believe that he has been sent by the Father to give them that which will grant them eternal life. But it's not enough. They want signs like they thought Moses had performed in the Old Testament. They wanted bread rained down from heaven. They didn't understand that it wasn't Moses who gave the Israelites bread, but it was God. And here, once again, was God giving bread. Physical bread, to be sure, but physical bread that was meant to open the eyes of Jesus, the living bread. And when the crowd finally started to understand what Jesus was saying to them, that the true bread from heaven is all that they needed, they cry out to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus replies, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So as I look around in the world that we live in and I look inside myself, not much has changed in those of us that follow Jesus. We still chase after the wrong kind of bread. We have in our minds a vision of what we need, what the church needs, and we tend to pursue that earthly bread and ignore the living bread. Now, please don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with having a nice life, having a beautiful and spacious home, a nice car to drive, a well-funded investment savings account. And there's nothing wrong or sinful to enjoying the good life. But what is sinful is when we focus solely on our physical needs and wants and not on our spiritual needs and hunger. We're all guilty of making our earthly bread a priority over the living bread. And while we do need our physical needs met to survive, our physical needs shouldn't be the singular focus of our lives. And just like our ancestors that chased Jesus across the Sea of Galilee, we often chase after God. We chase God for wrong reasons. We focus on our daily needs, and we ask God if he'll perform some sign or miracle so that we can see God can deliver us the goods, hopefully with 24-hour delivery and maybe no extra shipping charges. That would be great. We seek blessings and success, health and wealth, and if we don't get what we want, we assume that means God isn't the kind of king that we want him to be. So we keep looking for signs, all the while not realizing that the sign has been given, and it's been given in the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Now, as I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with seeking earthly bread. 
And like God did for the Israelites, God provides our, for our daily living, which we acknowledge, which we will acknowledge today, and we acknowledge almost every Sunday when we say the Lord's Prayer. God is the provider of all good things, and we praise God for what he has given us. But our daily bread, be it milk, bread, vegetables, or meat, will eventually spoil and must be discarded. Likewise, so much of the stuff that we spend our lives accumulating will eventually wear out, and we will either discard it or replace it with something else that will wear out. Jesus offers us a different choice. Jesus points us to the food that is found in him, the food that never spoils, it never wears out, and it will never need to be replaced. Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So what I want you to remember from today is that verse right there, verse chapter 6, 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. The Greek word in there that we translate endure is minnow, and it means to continue to be present, to remain as one, not to become another or different. I want you to remember that today. Whether you're joining us for home during our communion or whether you're here in the sanctuary, um, we remember times before COVID when we were all together and we passed down luscious bread, um, now we have a little cup with a, a little wafer in it or whatever you may, may have at home. But that is still the bread that continues to be present. A bread that still remains as one. It does not become something different. It is for us the bread of life. This bread, the bread that Jesus gives us, is what nourishes us spiritually. The bread that Christ provides nourishes our spiritual lives so that we'll live forever, spiritually and physically. You know, last night, Susie and I grilled out a beautiful piece of sea bass on, on my grill. I just updated it and redid part of the grill and got it going. We had our first meal on there, got a beautiful piece of fish, lightly seasoned. It was delicious. But when I woke up this morning, I was hungry. I was ready to eat again. In fact, most of us eat three or four times a day. And what happens? We're hungry. But the bread of life is different. Because once you partake of the bread of life, our spiritual hunger and thirst are forever satisfied. You know, it almost sounds too easy. But it gets complex as we move. But honestly, there's just two things from this lesson. All we can do is simply believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to give us eternal life. And all we can do is listen to God's word, looking for those signs that Jesus performed then and now, and be guided by the Holy Spirit who will lead us to the living bread from heaven. The signs that will show us that Christ feeds us as we come to him in faith trusting that his bread is the only bread that gives eternal life. So my friends, in a few moments, we're going to gather around this table, a table that was prepared for Christ himself, for you and me. So come and see the signs. Come and taste and touch and feel the body and the blood of Christ, the living bread 
and let your faith be strengthened and let your heart be filled with Christ's redemptive love. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.